This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Were you guys ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. Yeah, we can clap for the Word of God. It's church. We can do that. Yeah, let's clap for the Word of God today. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to be going back. Say go back. Going back to Luke chapter 3 today. And uh, I really just want to start today off with big praise for God today because of just what he's been doing within the life of the church. Uh, so many have been sick, so many have been dealing with so many things, but praise God, he is still working, he's still moving, give him praise today. He is not, he's not under control of anything else. He's on the throne and he is here, he's active and he's ready for you today. So today we are talking about joy. Hey, that's good. I didn't have to tell you guys. All right. We're breaking you guys in real good now. Amen. And joy is something that is so important to me, so important into the Advent season, because it's a reflection of the outside of what we feel on the inside. Amen. Amen. At least I hope that's the way it is. And so uh, today we're going to be looking at John chapter, no, Luke chapter three, and we're going to be talking about and looking at joy and it's an oddball text on the surface i know for thinking of joy especially the first few verses especially what you can see on the screen right now but as we did with last week we, we didn't think that this text may have had much to even say about peace but i believe it had a great word about peace and so today i believe it's got an even better word about joy so let's stand for the reading of the word of the lord today John chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 7, and we're going to go all the way to verse 18. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, Now John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? I told you there's a lot of joy in this. Just hold on. <laughs> Alright. Verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that, well, out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10. What should we do then? Question mark, the crowd asked. And John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. They said, Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, And, and what should we do? And he replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Verse 15. The people... We're waiting expectantly, and we're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, 
The thongs of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the shade with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Let's bow to the receiving of this word today. Dearly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord, it's at this time where I just simply want to thank you, God, for your word and what it has for us and what it means for us today in this moment. And Lord, as the pastor of this church, Lord, I'm just beseeching and asking, Lord, that this word come alive from the pulpit today with your power, with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Um, I ask that this word just, Lord, just be completely and utterly just touched by your Holy Spirit at this time. May my thoughts, my words, may the way that I can try to bring this message, Lord, be, be everything, Lord, that you've helped prepare me uh, for and with this week. And I just simply ask, Lord, that this word does not go unheard, but, Lord, that we can learn something from this today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you guys may be seated today. So with a show of hands, how many of you would say that you have the joy of the Lord in your life? Amen. Okay, all the hands are raising. Okay, that's a good question. Amen. And I'm just so grateful uh, for the joy of the Lord in my life and what that means for me. What I want to simply say is this. What really is the joy of the Lord when we talk about joy? When we talk about this word that pops up in our Christmas songs and, and in this time of season, what really is joy? And, and why, why should we be happy? And, and, and what is it that holds us when, when, when life is pushing down on us so hard, but yet there's something within us that's rising above, that we have a smile on our face, and we're not letting things get to us? What is it? Well, that is the joy of the Lord in your life working. Joy is defined as something, say something, that goes beyond a momentary feeling of happiness to a deeply rooted sense of identity. Okay, I'm going to read that for you again to let it soak, okay? Joy is something that goes beyond a momentary feeling of happiness to a deeply rooted sense of identity. And much like the predecessors of the things that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks of hope and also peace, joy is also very much linked together in the season of Advent, much like how a Christmas wreath is put together. There's different parts and components. If you look at these wonderful wreaths, they're just kind of sitting here on uh, the wooden banisters here. There's, there's different parts to it. There's a, a bow, there's a, a bulb, there's some poinsettia, there's different parts that make up the wreath. And truly, when we have hope, we have peace, and now today we're talking about joy, we can see this Christmas wreath that's been provided by the mind of God being put together and how that can work within our lives. And so, much like that wreath too, it's also linked into the breaking in of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is multifaceted. 
There's hope in the kingdom of God. There's peace in the kingdom of God. And praise God, there's joy in the kingdom of God. Give God praise for that this morning. And so I want us to be able, as we dig into this text again in Luke chapter 3, um, I want us to kind of look a little bit more beyond some of the surface verses that we could have on joy and maybe actually look at what it could actually be in, in the real life of things. And so as we look here in verse 7, we see John speaking to the crowds. And so when I think of this, I just thought this was the weirdest way to start the sermon. But through the material that I had, this is just how they had it worked out to where, you, you know, we start with this verse of John. And he's talking to these, these people and in a very joyous way. He, ta- he calls them, you brood of vipers. He's very happy about it. <laughs> Um, and then he just said, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? What is it that John's actually still referring to? What is he talking about? You see, I want to start with my first point. And I, I hope that this, like for some of you today, like, oh, I've heard that. Um, because really, this is one of the most important things that I think in life that we can ever deal with and that we can ever come to a conclusion with. My first point in the message and sermon today is this, that the way of joy, someone say the way of joy. The way of joy begins with repentance. The way of joy begins with repentance. Why is that important? Or what does that have to do with joy? And some of you will say, well, we talked about repentance last week. Let's talk about something else. Okay, there might be some, again, People multifaceted on different points today. But you see, repentance, when done in full surrender to the Lord, and we come to Him, and repentance means that we not are only just asking for forgiveness, we don't want to do the things that we have to ask forgiveness for ever again. That's repentance. That's a turning away from things. And so when we go into repentance, into full surrender to the sins that weigh us down, Um, Let me just say it this way. And we bring that to the Lord. There's no words to describe what the Lord does at that point within our lives because it is more than joyous. When God comes and, and sees you at the altar of your bedroom, at the altar of maybe you're in your car and you're frustrated and you've got stuff going on and the altar of just your heart that you have. When God comes and works and moves and he sees you in that place of of loneliness or desolation or desperation for your life and you're crying out to him and you're saying, Lord, I know I've got stuff in my life that I need to deal with. And so, Lord, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I want to give it to you. When that happens in your life, God comes and works in a beautiful way. And he works in a way that nothing else will work in that same way. You see, there's no words to describe that experience when we feel when we come heavy loaded before the Lord with everything on our backs, with everything in our hearts, in our minds, our thought. When all of that becomes unloaded on the Lord, when all of that gets unloaded on him and his arms, (laughs) he can hold all of that that we can't. Somebody give praise to God for that this morning. And so, and so, and thinking of this message, I want you to understand that if you're going to have joy in your life, I truly think 
and know and experience that it begins when you get your life right with God and you get your life right with God when you come in a spirit of repentance. A spirit of repentance. And so John in the previous verses was talking about repentance. And that's what John's purpose was in his life. His, his purpose in life was to show the way to, to know that the way that he had wasn't going to be the whole way, but to prepare the way of the Lord. Well, let's go back to our definition. Okay, we got to go back a little bit. Our definition of joy is meaning that it's something that goes beyond a momentary feeling of happiness. Right? We talked about that. So then wouldn't it make sense that if repentance was an act that we could just fully unload everything before the Lord, wouldn't it make sense how that act could help ground us in a better life, spiritually with the Lord and spiritually with each other. So wouldn't that make sense, okay? Because if your joy this morning, okay, is found in the money that you make, if your joy this morning is found in that paycheck that you get, Every week, two weeks, a month, whatever it is. If that joy is found in that brand new car that you just bought. If that joy is found in that relationship that you just uh, found on the internet. If that joy is found in somebody or in something other than the Lord, guess what? That something can also take your joy. Because you put all of your value of joy into that one thing. But joy is defined as something <laughs> that goes beyond a momentary feeling of happiness to a deeply rooted sense of identity. And so our joy in Jesus and why repentance is so important with joy. Our joy in Jesus comes when we're able to have him make our life complete with his joy. Because his joy, if it's our joy, right? If his joy is our joy, then our joy is going to be in him. And I know that he's the alpha. He's the omega. He doesn't change. He doesn't go to anybody's whims. He doesn't vote the way that one person should vote or think that way. He is God. He's on the throne and he is sovereign. Somebody get praise for that. And so if your joy, if your joy in the Lord is placed fully within him, no one's going to take your joy away. Amen. No one can take that joy away. And so the way of joy, I truly believe, begins when we can come and make our life right with the Lord. And that begins with repentance. And John talked about this in this passage. In fact, he was trying to tell the people about a different way because they kept thinking, well, we have Abraham as our father and we're, we're the, the Jewish people and we're from the Jewish nation. And so they were relying on their heritage, basically, to get them through life. How many of us come into church sometimes and think that 
my spiritual heritage. My grandma came to church here. My grandpa came to church here. My dad, my mom, my aunt, my cousin. They came to church here, so I'm good. I don't need a spiritual life with Jesus. But Jesus is inviting you to a life of joy this morning and to a life that's bigger than what you can imagine. And he does that so beautifully and gently. Now, John, in this passage, he goes on to talk about the axe is ready at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then it moves on to verse 10. What should we do then, the crowd asks. In fact, verse 10 has a lot to say to us today about joy. You see, the way of joy, somebody say the way of joy. The way of joy. That's my second point. It answers that question of what should we do then? What should we do then? It's a question that's still asked today. What should we do then to become a better person? What should we do then to become a better wife, a better husband, a better spouse? What should we do then to become um, the best that you can be? What should we do then? John answers all of these people with, with, with different answers. There's, there's a bunch of different kinds of people here within this text. We have the man with two tunics. We have a tax collector. We've got some soldiers. We've got, in verse 15, it says, the people who were waiting expectantly. What should we do then? I want us to know today that the, the way to joy answers this question because I want you to know that what should we do then should, should impromptu us to act with our, with our whole life. And here's what I mean by that. We see John answering this. He says, what should a man do? Two tunics. The man with two tunics should share them with who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. There's action involved in that. Look at verse 12. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. And he said, teacher, they asked, what should we do? And then he says, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. It takes action. Verse 14. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. And be content with your pay. It takes action. Today, church, there's a whole generation of people that go to church and they go to service and they do all of that, but they've lost something and they've lost it in this thing called generosity. Generosity. Generosity is one of the key components that I believe is an outward fruit of living a new life with Jesus Christ. Generosity. I want you to just know that is one of the most important things that we can learn how to do in this life. Because as Jesus has taken our lives and, and transformed us, that transformation reorients us through our repentance. It reorients us to understand that life is not about the consumeristic stuff that we try to make it out to be so many times. In this passage, we see greed. Talked about in verse 11. There's a guy, he's, he's got a hoarding problem. He's got tunics. He's probably got a lot of food stashed somewhere. 
John says to share the tunics and give food to the one who has none. And you see, that's a reorienting of how we think and how we process and how we do things. Let's look at the next verse of verses 12 and 13. The tax collectors came to be baptized. They said, teacher, what should we do? And he says, don't collect any more than you're required to. You see, cheating was involved in their life. And because of repentance, we can reorient our minds to understand that cheating is not part of the kingdom of God. It's the part of the kingdom of this world. And then verse 14, we have the soldiers. What should we do? Well, don't extort money and accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. This is a season that's probably the worst about wanting more and not being happy with what you have. Amen. Wanting more and not being happy with what you have. So when we have joy in our lives, I want us to know this, that generosity is a fruit. It's a part of what should come naturally to us as believers in Christ. If we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to know Jesus, if we claim to have experienced the power of God within our lives, and yet we have no generosity for anyone, what does that really say about who we invited into our life? Because Jesus was... The most generous, the most giving, and the most loving, the most graceful. And so if we have the most within our lives, shouldn't we also be a reflection of that as well? I know that's some hard preaching, especially this time of year. But what should we do? What should we give? And some people will just simply say, okay, okay, well, I can give my stuff away. I, that's easy enough. I can do this. I can do that. And da, 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 da. But you see, there's more to just the giving than just the stuff. That's one part. You know, the most important thing that you can give, and I'm going to reiterate, is that your life be given in a full offering unto the Lord and to praise. Because when you offer Him your life every day and you offer Him it consistently, God's going to use that. God's going to take you up on that prayer. He's going to say, I see somebody. I see somebody. They're going through all kinds of stuff, but I see somebody that's willing to offer up themselves to me. I'm going to use them. Why do you think the church is filled with all kinds of just crazy personalities and individuals at times? It's because we're offering up ourselves. And it, and you know, this is why the church isn't like a, a complete business, because if it was a business plan, the church would just be a complete failure, because <laughs> as a business, you're going to get the best people, and the most educated and, and, and this and that. Our Lord and Savior got fishermen to start his church with. Okay, He got tax collectors. He got people that had a bad reputation, and yet they were the beginning of the church. Our joy this morning should be found in what we can offer up to our Lord and Savior and how he can point and direct us to offer that to our fellow human beings as well. My last point today is this. The way of joy. Say the way of joy. Well, I think I lost some people. It's a little louder. A second point. The way of joy. And this should be, this should be exciting. The way of joy is good news. 
we look at verses 15 through 18, we see John, he's talking about the people were waiting expectantly. There's still people waiting expectantly for something joyous within their life to happen. Same people that have more money than you do or possessions or resources are the same people that are still waiting expectantly to find something meaningful within their lives. And yet here, even in the ancient times, verse 15 says the people were, they were waiting expectantly. <clears throat> and it said, we're, we're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And, and rightfully so. They, they've been preached this powerful message by this wild, crazy man who came from the wilderness, preaching about repentance, preaching about preparing the way, preaching about the principalities and the underworkings of the kingdom of God. And so, of course, the people are going to be thinking, I bet this guy's the Messiah. He's going to rise up. He's going to make everything OK for us. But then in verse 16, John answered it very quick and he says, no, he says, I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I will come. Yes. Whose dogs of sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and he'll baptize you with fire. Fire illusion. And his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chafe with the unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted to the people. <clears throat> And preached. What kind of news? Good news. What kind of news? Good news. Yeah, the good news. Good news to them. See, John pointed the people in the direction of where they were going to get real and true joy in their lives. And that is found in none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Give him praise. Amen. He knew something better was coming because he knew it wasn't him. He wasn't the one that was going to be able to give them and sustain them joy. How could he? He has called him a brood of vipers at the beginning of all of this. But he was preparing the way. And still today, it's funny. Everyone's got their own picture of who Jesus is or what he should be, what he might look like and, and all of this. And here's the interesting thing about our Lord and Savior. He didn't meet any of their expectations in that sort of way. He was not a powerful ruler. He was not a powerful politician. He was not like a Conan the Barbarian that came in and just started wiping everybody out with the sword. Okay? This was the expectations of what the ancients had of what the Messiah should be. Because they felt that Israel and the Jewish people and the Jewish community was just under this um, terrible oppression from Rome and then from these other outside sources. And they had come through so much of their history of that kind of oppression. And so they were looking for a savior. They were looking for someone who would stick up for them. They were looking for someone who would come and complete what the prophets had talked about. And this, my friends, is good news. But the news that was given just came in a way that was different than from how they were taking in their news. And see, it's, the thing of it is, too, is that people today even still don't know what to make of Jesus. 
But the ultimate good news is this, is that of Jesus coming and breaking into our human history, being a babe in a manger, taking on flesh and blood, being fully human, being fully God. Not just in preparation to prepare a way, Jesus was and is and will always be the way. Amen. His love and grace and mercy was able to be shown here on earth as it should be in heaven with a, a new kingdom. And yet, even in this season, I know it's hard for so many people because we see all of the brokenness around us. My heart aches for all of those people that have just suffered in the tornadoes this the last couple of days. I mean, my heart breaks for these people. But yet we walk into weeks like this where the theme, you know, whatever it is in the church, you know, today, obviously, it's joy. Okay? But we walk into weeks like this where the theme is joy. We wonder if we can ever truly have access to any kind of joy, maybe within our lives. Is that kind of happiness, is that kind of joy even available to me and to you? And I'm here to tell you that without a doubt that yes, it is. Because I've talked to that joy this morning. I've experienced that joy in my life. And that joy is here to be known and to be recognized and to be praised. Because that joy is Jesus Christ. But it's hard to have joy, I know, when you're in the midst of despair. And it's hard to have joy sometimes when you just don't you just don't feel happy for whatever reason. And yet in this season, I pray that we ask God to draw himself close to us. This isn't just a little spiritual preacher prayer. This is one of the most important things that as a believer of Christ that you can actually ask God. Because God knows your life and your situations even better than what you do. He knows that. Those bills that are coming up and you're worried about at night on whether you've got enough money to cover it, he knows about that. And he wants to right now in this moment make himself close to you. He knows about those things that have gone awry within your life that you just need his ever-present help in. He wants to be there for you. And because we know that through the goodness of who Jesus is, we know that we can also experience the fullness, the complete fullness of joy right here and right now. Joy is not a feeling. We often think it is. We think that it's an emotion that's attached to a feeling. And if you're not feeling happy or joyous, well, you know, you're in the wrong place. And there's some churches that make you feel that way. But you know what? Joy isn't a feeling or emotion. It's a deep and abiding state brought on by our connection with Jesus Christ. That's joy. It's a deep and abiding state brought on by our connection with Christ. It's not something passive, but it's fostered through the ways of our lives that continually transform us to look more like our Lord and Savior. And so we declare today to the community and to the world around us that is expressed so eloquently in song.
And we express that we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive the King. And let every heart prepare in the room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Give God praise this morning. Not just a song. We declared that this morning. We declared that. And we have the opportunity to do that. Why? Because we serve a Savior who is worthy of that this morning. Praise God for that. God's got a place for all of your pain. As much as he's got a place for all of the joy that you can give him. This morning, I just simply ask that you connect with him. That you get real with him. Because he wants to bring you that state of being, of joy, that surpasses all understanding. When you've got storms coming, you may be feeling the wind and you may be feeling the rain, but you're in your boat. And you might be like Jesus, sleeping through the storm. Because you know who holds the hand of that storm. God for that. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Your precious and heavenly Father, Lord, this is. Lord, it's such a privilege, Lord, to be in your house. It's such a privilege, Lord, to be with your people. And it's such a privilege, Lord, to be with, Lord, just the family of God today. And Lord, I, I ask that somehow this message have a seed that can grow within our hearts and within our lives, especially in this season. And so, Father, I pray for those that are struggling today with joy, that are just in the midst of so much despair or so much turmoil within their lives. Father, I'm not asking them just to put on a happy face for the sake of putting on a happy face. Lord, what I'm asking is, Lord, that you just be with them so closely to where they know that their source of joy might be misplaced. Their source of joy might be within more of the problem than it is the solution. And so, God, I pray for those here today. I pray for us, Lord, that in this time that um, it can often just be so busy and, and crazy, Father, I just simply ask that we look for opportunities to be the hands and feet of who you meant us to be through you. Father, I pray for ways to be generous. I pray for ways to be looking for opportunities to, to speak life to people. I'm praying, Lord, that you come and work and help us, Lord, within our hearts and within our minds to solidify ourselves within your joy to where we just want to just explode and share that, Lord, just with the people all around us. Lord, my prayer is that you help this season of Advent become alive and well and meaningful to us in a way that it's different than maybe we've heard it, but in a way that we know that it came from you and we needed to do this message. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.